The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Well, we have officially crossed the quarter pole uh, for the league. Um, There's interesting stories. There are rumor tsunamis. Uh, a, a much speculated trade has, or a much speculated about player has been moved. Patrick Kane is once again signed to an NHL contract. Uh, there's PWHL news. Where or where do we want to go next? Or first? Should we address the elephant in the NHL and then just get that out of the way so that we can move on or... Do you want to save you that really, for another? You really want to jump into the uh, John Tortorella quote already? No, that one's a fun one. We end with that. <sighs> By the way, that's called a tease. <laughs> um, and then, okay. I'm just thinking. I See, I think that this is from, from what little we've been able to gather. Okay. I think the story is entirely nothing burger. But it's salacious and it involves new star, old star, and the oldest cause of angst and absurdity known to humanity. How many people are running for a thesaurus right now to try and look up the word salacious? Just saying. Are you implying something? Are you calling us dumb? No, I would never. Listening to us is the most intelligent thing possible. Absolutely. But I I, I agree with you. If we're talking about the same story, and unfortunately, I think we are. Um, Corey Perry has left the Blackhawks, as almost everyone on the planet knows. There are a couple of people in comas somewhere uh, who it, haven't heard about it or haven't been speculating to, about it themselves. Is it fair to say he's left the Blackhawks, though? I mean, at this point, he's no, he's no longer left them. He's been released by them. Or Well, he took in an indefinite leave, and then his contract was term- terminated. Ah. Yeah, I'm not, I, I don't know. The, the, pro, the first problem stems from... A, not knowing what's going on, and B, is it really our business? But all that is exacerbated by the fact that they had the Kyle Beach situation. Wait, 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 wait. You you jump on me for using salacious, and then you throw exacerbated at people. It's not even 11 o'clock in the morning. Some people are still on their first cup of coffee. This is true. Sorry. My apologies. Well, okay, maybe not. Um, (laughs) I just... Unfortunately, I think they're going to have to be more transparent with this. I don't know that it's going to be acceptable to just say that it was not an issue between him and other teammates or their family members. And we're not going a whole bunch of sources. You know, the original rumor that came out was 
he had had relations with Connor Bedard's mother. Now, to the best of my knowledge, Corey Perry is still married, um, which isn't necessarily relevant. Lots of people have open marriages or get hall passes or whatever, and I personally don't care. Consenting adults, I don't care. Literally do not care. Um, Everyone had fun. Perfect. Everyone thought it was terrible. Well, I guess it won't be happening again, and we don't have to think about it. Um, But it got to the point where – or it has gotten to the point where it's one of those topics that will not die because – Every time the league or the team has said, yeah, that's that's not what it is, people then start speculating that it was against a member of the staff. And as Chris and I were talking about before the show, all of a sudden it's Kyle Beach 2.0. And I really didn't think, even in the beginning, it was something that bad. Um, I still... Bedard has denied that it was uh, Perry and his mother. Um, no. The team has denied it. Perry has denied it. Um, I haven't seen a statement from Bedard's mother, and I'd be horrified if I was her. Bedard, um, has, come out, Bedard has come out and said there's nothing there. You know, there, there, nothing's going on. There's nothing there. Clearly, something is upsetting. Rumors, which we know exists. Clearly something is upsetting Bedard. He's slamming his stick, breaking his stick over the board. And this behavior, whatever happened and the outcry from it is affecting the organization, affecting the players on the ice. And you can see I, the frustration. I understand that they're a bad team and that's going to make them frustrated as well or not a good team. I think that that might be an underestimated part of the issues. Everybody on that roster knows that Corey Perry, or as he was renowned in his heyday, Scory Perry, is a legit threat. He's a legit threat physically. He can still score. Um, He still skates pretty G-dang well for a guy who is definitely hockey old. And... Um, well, I don't think anyone was under the illusions that the team was going to make the playoffs based on their schedule right now. I think that many of them probably think that they should have gotten to at least the 10 win mark by the, by the end of the year. And I'm willing to bet that most of them don't believe that right now. They are seven fifteen and 0. They haven't dragged a single win out in extra in extra time. And they're 26 goals in the hole in terms of goal differential. Um, that is not the worst in the league, but OK. It is second worst in the Western Conference and the league. Uh, I mean, only the San Jose Sharks are worse. And the San Jose Sharks are so bad that we're going to have to crack open the thesaurus for more words to describe. <laughs> yeah. um, like My, the San Jose Sharks are going to be lucky to get to 10 wins by uh, by the 
um, trade deadline, much less the holiday uh, by the end of the year. Okay. Um, My question is, and this and this is this started when the story first started, was that Luke Richardson, the head coach, came out and said, "No DM." No details will be released. We're keeping it in-house. Right there, you sparked off a whole host of assumptions and speculations. And my question is, can they afford to do that? Can can this organization, based on recent past history, can they afford to say, we're not giving any details, we're not going into specifics? In most cases... I would say the answer is absolutely not. But from something we picked up on uh, through Spectre's Hockey just before the show, I think it's probably going to happen or at least not going to come out anytime in the next several months to a year. Um, uh, in uh, Over on Spectre's Hockey, there's a note that... I don't know how many stories I've seen on it, how many videos uh, I've watched in the past. Has the most distilled version readily available. Um, And I'll read it uh, quoted uh, off of his December 3rd post. Um, Perry doesn't face any criminal charges, nor is there any indication he broke the law in what was described as an alcohol-fueled situation during a gathering of Blackhawks team employees and corporate partners. He al- he's also under no suspension by the league and can sign with any club if he wishes if he wants to return to action. Perry has had has a long and productive career, um, garnering a well-earned reputation as a leader and shift disturber. Who always elevates his play in the postseason? It wouldn't be surprising if he ends up with an N- another NHL club before the March 8 trade deadline. Um, so, if there's nothing criminal, I I just don't see a need to disclose it. It's probably something wildly embarrassing, like he threw up on a sponsor or he got falling down drunk. Or something possibly related to other bodily functions. But if he's not broken any laws and it's not involving other persons on the team, staff, or uh, uh, their family members, mm-hmm. it comes down to something stupid that would be probably laughed off in a college student. But when you're his age, yeah, you're, you're, losing, you're, you're losing your job. Well, it was team employees and sponsors. So this sounds like it was some sort of holiday get-together. Yep. Unfortunately, Corey Perry couldn't handle his alcohol. Either said or Uh, did or both stupid things, did or said stupid things or both in front of or to the sponsors or the employees. Or both. Correct. And and we're we're gonna be okay. I'm just trying. I'm trying to map out whether the punishment fits the crime. I mean, 
And if it's not something that serious, then why not just put it out there? It's probably to save it might be to save one of the sponsors embarrassment. Maybe he said something rude about one of the sponsors uh, without realizing that a, they were there or B that he was being overheard. It, I mean, I've seen corporate nonsense at that level where companies get so overprotective of the image that, or their perception of the image that things go sideways in a hurry for what, more objective parties probably wouldn't even notice. Okay. I'm just, I'm, I, but, I mean, and he's entering, he's, it sounds like he's entering the player assistance program or he's going to be getting some kind of help for yeah substance and, abuse, but it also mentions mental illness. I, I, I would suspect that that's probably some sort of uh, anxiety disorder um, I haven't seen, I, I haven't seen a lot of Blackhawks games this year. I didn't see anything that looks like depression. I don't think he has a serious concussion history. Um, although the depression is depression and anxiety can often be linked. Uh, I am not a licensed psychologist or counselor. I do have, I did study psychology. I do have a number of people who have struggled with chemicals uh, and mood disorders in my circle. Okay. Um, I, if it's, I think, I think that sometimes it, I think that sometimes a cigar is a cigar and he made a drunken idiot of, of himself and people are trying to blow it up into, uh, into something more. This is not, this is not Clinton and Lewinsky. It's not, uh, it's not uh, the. Well, whatever he, whatever he did do, it was enough to catch the ire of the organization and for them to turn around and outright release him. or put him on waivers and then tell him, look, if you clear waivers, we're letting you go. We're cutting you. See you. Bye-bye. Um, he's recognizing that he needs help. He's, he's put out the uh, the social media apology, and it sounds sincere because he's recognizing that it's affecting other players, other players' families. I, I I just I'm willing to bet it was something involving a sponsor and a potentially lost or even actually lost sponsorship of the team. Um, I mean, if you're talking multi-million dollar ads lost um, or something like that, that's going to get anyone in any organization fired. True. I just uh, I, I my only. And it's not concern is not the right word here. I'm, it, I'm I'm searching for the correct word. My only issue with everything is because of again prior history. I don't think that they can be afforded the same luxuries as other franchises. You kept something serious hidden from. But, but I mean, we know by the nature of this not being criminal or there being no indication 
of criminal activity that it's not that serious. And I personally think that if we were having a discussion, if this happened on another friend, if this happens, I'd be saying it's none of our business. They handle it in-house. They took care of business. They meted out punishment. End of story. Let's move on. The problem that, is that – And, well, I for anything that is clearly serious and criminal, I guess want 100 percent transparency. Um. There's we also have to understand that, number one, none of the people involved in the beach situation are still involved with the team. Um, And even if we think it's suspicious, it's uh, at minimum extremely rude to hold um, hold the mistakes and poor behavior of prior leadership uh, against new against current leadership okay um, I, I mean this is not a halt this is not a free pass if there is something legitimately criminal going on it needs to be addressed and it needs to be taken care of to the satisfaction of all the parties involved. Um, that said, what is the I, Felino bit on here? You have a Felino attachment. Basically it was Felino. Felino basically said that there's a standard that we all agree to okay. and that standard wasn't followed. Oh. It's like legitimately there is so little inflection on any of these statements from any of the veteran players or people who theoretically should be in the know that I'm having it. it, This definitely feels like a more in sorrow than in anger situation where they just can't believe someone did something stupid versus can't believe someone did something so disgusting or vile or whatever you want, whatever term you want to use for. So, so in my um, final criminal offenses. Okay. So in my final follow up question, then they've waived him. He's gone. He's going to get help. Do you feel that the upper management, uh, front office, head coach, whoever, should fill the team in on what's going on or I am if it was if it happened at a team event with team employees whether upper management has said anything directly or not everybody already knows that's so Nick Polino is just look, giving us I have worked in I have worked on big teams it, I used to work with big box retail Something could happen in the overnight shift where none of the day staff were in the store and everyone who worked the next day would hear about it. Oh, it filters. There's grapevine everywhere. I'm just like in order to avoid that grapevine situation, should should head coach and or front office GM come out and say, I'm sure someone has said something. Okay, but it's it's behind. It happened behind closed doors. 
and the, um, and the players are towing the company line and saying, look, you know, because Felino at one point came out and said, we don't know anything. We haven't heard anything. Yeah. And if that's the case, I don't know. Part of me thinks that they should at least inform to the best of their ability anyway, inform the players, look, this is why he's gone or some facsimile thereof. I, know, I, I just I think you need to quell whatever issues may arise in the locker room as well. The I locker understand. room is a separate issue because I think that's where Perry's value is at its highest. Yes, he's con- he contributed on the ice, and mm-hmm. um, but you know he was brought in to be a leader. He was brought in to stiffen the spine of the of the locker room. Yeah. Um, and I, well, no one expects this team to hit the playoffs or even threaten. Uh, he still put up nine points in 16 games. He was scoring, he was scoring at a pretty much a, a 40 goal, a 20 goal pace. Okay. Um, for the Blackhawks. That's useful. And it, adds a little bit of authority to a voice for a guy who's won a heart. He won a Richard, uh, won a cup, you know, he's played, he's played on the world juniors. He's done pretty much everything. Um, You're not going to get an argument on that out of me. I, I understand. I mean, he's been, Impressive um, throughout his career. So I wish. I mean, I for whatever his him. whatever is whatever is ailing him, whatever his malady. I do wish him a full recovery, whatever that may be to him. Because exactly um, in I this case, recovery him, isn't really a defined thing. No, it's not. And I think for him. Um, as for just about any uh, person who's dealing with substance abuse or even dealing with mood disorders, um, sometimes you really, really need to hit rock bottom to absolutely embarrass yourself, to make a public in a public mistake or misstep so bad that you can't deny the issues anymore. And if he can do that and not land in a criminal situation, this might be the best thing that's happened to Corey Perry in, in years. Um, as weird as it is to say, like I, I have a close relative who's no longer with us, who, after years of self-medicating uh, bipolar, ended up in jail. Um, and when he came out, uh, after not a very long time, um, he, I being the person that I am, asked him, are you going to manage to stay out? And he said, yeah, I think so. I said, so you're not going to drink and do other stupid things anymore. And he said, yeah, I said, okay, why? And he said, because I realized I go from zero to 
a hole in two drinks and I don't like being out of control. And that sort of realization, like internally, like the word grok is in some ways overused. Um, but that bone deep internalization and integration of an idea with your whole, um, with your whole self mm -hmm. um, is really necessary to address either type of issue uh, when it gets serious enough to impair your life or impact your life. Um, and if this does that for him and he decides that it's a decides that it's possible and B decides that it's necessary to improve his behavior and choices and health. Look, you don't stay in the NHL for 19 seasons without a backbone and a will to do things. I think he's got a good shot at recovering. Um, whether that recovery is enough to sustain playing at an advanced age for an athlete, mm -hmm. I don't know. But if he's ready to come back to the NHL um, and is looking to lace up the skates on February 3rd or 15th, I think that the I think that there's at least seven or eight teams who are going to have to make very serious uh, inquiries, both you know to him and maybe maybe to his care team. Mm-hmm. I agree. But definitely needs to take care of him first and hockey second. So. I, it do, it's not going to work any other way. Um, right. it, it's just not. Uh, Agreed. And I think that's, I think we can leave that alone for now because quite frankly, I, I consider it a nothing burger. If there's okay. nothing criminal, as it appears that there's not, Right. Uh, it's no one else's business. Um, just before <clears throat> the show started, you mm -hmm. looked at uh, a video that I put into uh, into the show's uh, board. Yeah. And it simply underlines something I've been talking about for as long as we've been talking about hockey. Keep your head on a swivel. That's one part of it, yes. Like, and we'll get into someone uh, in the league stating that players need to protect themselves. But there's also a certain amount of protection um, that teams need to have of players, um, both in terms of gear and in terms of appropriate development. Okay. Going back a number of years at this point, I jumped up and down screaming about um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins not coming into the league as he was drafted. He definitely should have spent at least a year. Either He probably uh, needed two years in like another year in the dub and then a year in the AHL. 
I think he would have been a much healthier young player um, because he got into 62 NHL games his first season. Um, the second season was the lockout shortened season, but he didn't even play all 48 that one. Um, he got into 80 in 13, 14, 76 the year after that, 55 the year after that. And it wasn't until the 16, 17 season, seven years after he was drafted, that he managed to play 82 games. Um, 82 games that year and then 13 in the playoffs. Um, And Allregman Larson is now listed at 192 pounds. I want to say that he was drafted at like 160, 165, somewhere, maybe even a little bit less. Oh, yeah. uh, the video we're talking about, um, Chris, Chris's jaw dropped when he saw it, as did mine. Oh, um, it's, a, it, 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 it's a hit. <laughs> um, it's, the hit is on Adam Yurisek, uh in the Czech Extraliga. Um, he was hit by Jan uh, Skokta. Jan Skokta. 201 pounds. Adam Yurisek, 152 pounds. Um, what what does every single player say about stepping into the NHL, at, whether they're coming from the O, the U, uh, college hockey, or the AHL? Keep your head on a swivel. <laughs> no, they talk about the speed. They talk about the speed being... That's why... And that and that's why they that's why they send guys, even though some of them may appear ready. That's why they send them down to the AHL level. It's not because they think that, oh, well, he needs more. No, no, no. He needs to get acclimated to the speed and the difference between coming out of college, coming out of minors, coming out of the OHL, making that jump straight to the NHL. The speed is ridiculous. Most rookies will comment on that's their first comment is adjusting to the speed of the game. I completely agree. It's, it's and if they even if they don't say it in their first year, you'll hear them say sometime in their second year, the game finally started to slow down for me. And that's when everything clicked. Right. Like I've heard almost those exact words out of 20 or 30 players just on Boston in the last decade and a half. Um, This hit is straight through the body. It's probably slightly high, but with a moving start um, and a 50 pound weight difference, the results are wildly predictable. Okay. 49. Come on now. Um, accounting for the extra size of gear, it's at least 50 pounds. Adam Yerichek weighs 152. Jan Skotka weighs 201. There's also yes. a 10 year age difference. So the speed, so Mr. Skokta, Skota has already gotten accustomed to the speed of the game, whereas the young 17 year old defenseman. Probably still getting acclimated just a bit. And I mean, that's before you get into body composition and everything like that. I mean, a higher percentage of Skokta is muscle 
and bone, and even at 152 pounds, uh, Adam probably still has some puppy softness to him. Needless to say, it, it rock meat rock meat wall uh, or, or egg meat windshield egg meat windshield bug meat windshield bug meat windshield. Um, it was not pretty for Mister Yurichek, and it sparked a. I mean, Yurichek is six foot one and one hundred and fifty two pounds, so it's not like he's Marshan size and one hundred and fifty two pounds in a relatively compact. Frame. He is absolutely spindly. 152. I mean, I was nervous about Patra coming at one. Was he 165, 170? Yeah. Uh, I and he, like. And I very firmly, very firmly believe that whether it becomes an official policy or not, that teams should not consider except in cases of extraordinary speed and agility, um, putting players into the NHL below 170 pounds. I mean, this is a 201-pound NHL player is actually very slightly below the average weight. Can you imagine what would have happened even with a clean hit from Lucci H or Chara in their prime, hitting this 150-pound 17-year-old? Uh, worse than this. I'm trying not to think of the re- repercussions. How about Matt Cook going after someone that size? Yeah, uh, again, just, no, I, I mean, it, they wanted, they wanted, they wanted Char to be charged with assault or whatever, in Canada because he hit somebody and uh, yeah, hitting this kid. I, I don't agree with 152 pounds. He needs to put on some weight before he gets out there because unfortunately the people that he's playing with around him are going to be physically outmatching him. I talked about Matt Potra weighs 165, 170. I've seen him take a couple of really nasty hits, or they look really nasty. And one of them was from his own teammate, Charlie McAvoy. Um, but he's shown the ability to shake them off, get up, make the play. He's 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 uh, he's he's currently listed at 180 pounds, which is definitely more than he weighed at development camp. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, at, at development. <laughs> Camp, you're right. He was listed around either in the 160s or low 170s. Um, and the game's too fast. Like the he's he's 5'11, so that's a little that's slightly more compact. He's also 19 years old. Um, so he's had a little bit in theory, allowing for different rates of bodily mature maturation. Yeah. In theory, his body is a little bit more developed. Um, and having been drafted a year ago, he's had more. He's had longer exposure to NHL ideas of conditioning and fitness. But yeah, I I flat out do not want to see an NHL player on under 170 pounds. Like I just don't. No. Um, 
Johnny Goudreau has proved to be the exception to the rule. Um, well, he's he, he's got the he's got the speed and the agility to avoid the hits as well. I mean, he's yes, he's taken some. I'm not going to sit there and say he he's avoided all of them, but he's shown that he has the speed and agility that he can uh, somewhat dodge out of the way, turn it. And the other thing is learning how to absorb a hit like that, even you know, which is something turn, there's no class that no class can teach you. Turning your body in uh, in a certain way, you know, to absorb the hit, to to shirk it off, take it take it as a glancing blow, and that's the problem here is that this kid going he, he's going over the blue line. He's got his head down. Unfortunately, that's a no no. You can't go with your head down, and he just happens to be looking down, and this two hundred this twenty seven year old takes the opportunity to light him up, and he did. And it sparked something that I really haven't seen before, which is five on five. Not quite Donnie Brook, but they tried it, the best of their was, abilities. It was the closest in international, international hockey I've seen to a line brawl in years, in years. Um, Udro is five foot nine, which is something slightly different from six foot one. Yes. And listed 165 pounds. Um, I don't, I haven't seen Johnny Goudreau, you know, in the locker room or without a shirt or anything like that. Um, but Goudreau is a guy who's always been the smallest guy in the room. The difference between playing in the AHL or the, or the USHL or college or high school or Canadian hockey isn't. It's not just the speed, it's the concentration of speed and size. Because, and you know, take Tyler Sagan. He was a very fast player when he came into the league. He was almost certainly the fastest player on the ice, at least 85% of his shifts. Okay. Gets to the NHL, he's still a very fast player, but probably only the fastest player on the ice 40% of the time and a much higher percentage of players were bigger and stronger and better hitters. Um, and Sagan never had the side to side agility, uh, lateral movement that you see from a guy like Marchand or a guy like uh, Goudreau um, or even, even a Tory Krug who is, a bit thicker than either either uh, Marchand or Goudreau. What if, um, what, if, what if this guy tried to light up, I don't know, my favorite player, Sergei Samsonov, Mr. Fireplug, 5'8", 185 pounds. Is it the same reaction? See, well, that's that's another thing, and we'll, get, we'll touch on this in a little bit. Um, the league has changed. Oh, yeah, we're going to touch on that a little bit later, yes. Sergei Samsonov was in that weird transition period from um, something slightly more civilized than roller derby to the current NHL. Um, Because there was still, like, you could still get away with clutch and grab. You could still get away with a lot more in the way of cross-checks and stick contact. Um, 
And let's face it, most of the players that Samson played against weren't like the big guys, weren't big and fast. I mean, if you put peak Milan Lucic into the NHL when Sergei Samsonov was playing, he legitimately has like 450 goal seasons and probably racks up, you know, a thousand penalty minutes uh, in that in that four seasons. Because there were guys big enough to challenge him in a fight, but most guys were not even as fast as Lucic was in his peak three or four years. Yeah. Okay. Um, and if you go back even further, you put Lucic, you put peak Lucic on the ice with uh, Bobby Orr. <laughs> like eighty goal seasons are going to be normal because who's going to move him? Like. He skates towards the net, and if they literally mm-hmm. don't decapitate him or do a drop toe hold on him, it, it's just not happening. <laughs> I mean, Bobby Orr is a tall, lightly framed uh, guy. He was not huge when he played. Um, and the idea of a guy like... Lucic, who was 6'5", 240, or bigger, um, in that league, it, like, it just does not compute. Uh, I mean, Bobby Orr was 6 feet and 199 pounds the last time he played. That was 1978-79 season. Um, It just, uh, I mean, just looking, unfortunately, looking at the hit, it's, it's, it's brutal. It, they did call a penalty. I'm not sure yep. what exactly they called because they don't show. It's called for interference. It, it ended up being an interference. Okay. And he doesn't have the puck at that point. Um, And that and and that right there is why it's interfering. I mean, you can't, you're not supposed to hit a player who's not actively playing the puck. Yeah, I mean, like it's one thing. To, it's on, one thing to bump him. It's another thing to <clears throat> take him out, so to speak. A couple of guys on the team, a couple of other defensemen on that last season for, um, or. Doug Wilson, um, who uh, six, he was listed at six one and one hundred and ninety pounds uh, that year, and Bob Murray, yes, the coach, uh, uh, or the one-time coach, he was listed at five ten and one hundred and eighty-three pounds, and they were not considered small guys back then. I've discovered why everybody came to this kid's defense so rapidly. Go ahead. Elite prospects. This kid is is eligible for the 2024 draft, obviously. 6'1", 152, 17 years old, is June baby, June 06. Rankings. Consolidated ranking number nine. Elite prospects, 10. Daily faceoff, 10. Hockey news, 8. Bob McKenzie and TSN eight, Craig Button six, and the lowest of his rankings by Dollar Prospects fourteen. 
It's also possible they just like the kid. Oh yeah, okay. Well, sure, yeah. No, the the play the teammates you mean, and then yes, I understand yeah. that. But this this kid apparently is um, <clears throat> not chopped liver when it comes to playing hockey. Assuming he makes a complete recovery, it's it's quite likely we'll get to see him on the first day of the draft uh, this June. It looks that way at this point in time, unless, yes, he has some sort of serious. And I w- that's actually what I was trying to find when I found his rankings. I was actually trying to find some kind of update because this apparently happened on or about the 29th. So we've got a few days I was looking for some sort of... Uh, I think the lack of update is probably the best news. Um, I, I, if there's I understand nothing that. serious after, with him having walked off the ice, um, nothing news. It's probably he got the wind knocked out of him. He might be concussed, as you said. Um, I think uh, watching the video when he's skating off, I mean, he did get, it, it, he did get knocked out. Um based on the headlines that I'm seeing now, it says 17 year prospect playing in men's league gets knocked out. I mean, 50 pounds heavier, decade older. I was just hoping for something more updated than. Um, yes, he got it. Scott so. Wheeler says it looks like it minor. Um, Hockey patrol. But every every article that I've read about this so far, they all start out the same way. Crucial to take a moment and reflect on the decision to bring young talents into the intense world of adult hockey. It's also worth noting that he is David Yurisek of the Columbus Blue Jackets' younger brother. Oh, there you go. So there is some um, <clears throat> bloodline there, some um, um, skill. Uh, article on Hockey Patrol, a admittedly a site I'm not familiar with, but um, from uh, his brother, uh, oh. someone spoke with David Yersek this morning. His brother is now dealing with a concussion, uh, which is bad, but no other broken bones or sprains from this hit, which is good. Yeah, that's um, Brian, I guess Brian we'll be Hedger. seeing. Let's hope that uh, his recovery is speedy and complete, and. Um, and he's still going to play as an underager at the World Juniors. I mean, for his sake, it would be awesome if he maintains his current range in terms of in terms of um, draft potential. Um, but I would not cry if he if everything is, we're seeing about him is correct and he uh, somehow managed to fall into the Bruins' hands. Oh, okay. Bruins actually have a first-round pick, did you? Of course not. They're the Boston Bruins. Why do they need first-round picks? Oh, well, I should have known we didn't have one because, well, Sweeney Sweeney is still the GM, so. Anyway. Um, Now that we've beaten that horse to death, uh, or possibly to glue, um, we've talked about the PWHL, and honestly, what we've said most what we've said has not been positive most of the time. 
Um, and not because we don't want women's hockey to succeed, but because we think they're doing some dumb um, post-digestive mass. Actually, if you listen to us, I think we we're the advocates of trying of wanting them to succeed. We enjoy watching women's hockey. So and now that I know when and where they're going to debut, the Boston-ish uh, women's franchise will actually debut. Wait, wait, wait. Boston-ish. Yes, Boston-ish, because they're playing um, they're playing their home opener against Minnesota at the Songus Center in Lowell. At the Songus Center in Lowell. By the way, yes. are these really Boston's colors? Uh, this is a very interesting green uh, that they're being shown in. Um, I think this might actually end up being their colors. Um, okay. I don't mind the green. I mean, it's hardly traditional for hockey. Um, it's just but not a Celtic green, or a, it, 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 it's not a green you would relate with Boston. I don't see oh. that green anywhere. I can't think of anywhere in sports where that green is a thing. And that looking at the logo, looking at the placeholder logos for uh, for the. Green and gray. Rest of the uh, league. Yeah. Um, I think that they might have intentionally gone for colors that were not in use elsewhere. We remember Boston Pride had colors that were yeah. very, very similar to the Boston Bruins. They did. Yeah, they did. That's true. And if you look at things like you look at the colors for like the New York uh, franchise, I was going to give them a name just by by accident I guess but yes if you look at the New York franchise their colors are teal and it's almost like a Seattle Kraken color it seems to be halfway between the Kraken's color and the uh, Sharks color yeah it's, it's it's identifiably neither true and the really dark purple of Minnesota looks like it Almost wants to be a Viking, but clearly not. It's not the same. Yeah, it's not the same shade of Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, no, I agree. It, it, that is, they obviously went out of their way to identify themselves as not identifiable in any way with other sports franchises. Um, but the Songus Arena is way up in Lowell. Um, now. Lowell River Hawks play up there uh, for college hockey. Yep. Um, and it's I've been to stuff in that arena. It's not a it's it's certainly not a bad arena. There are there are absolutely worse arenas. Um, but I don't have a problem with the arena. I have a problem with the fact that it's not, not Boston. The, they're not the Lowell whatevers. Or the Massachusetts whatever, or the New England whatever. They are not that we know what whatever is going to be because we don't have a team name yet. Yes, we don't have names. We have franchise. We we have cities, and now we have locations. But and there's even a, there's even a schedule for the uh, Boston team. Um, Ooh, schedule. They open the season uh, Wednesday, January third at the Saga Center. 
Um, they have their next game five days later uh, at the Songa Center. Um, then they'll travel to Montreal and Toronto, home for a game, up to Ottawa. And then they have a five-game, nope, six-game homestand um, where they will face all of the teams. Um, it's I mean, uh, they, they have they 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 have done the right thing in terms of um, getting uh, keeping the the, tra- the the transportation compact. Like they're playing all of the Canadian teams in. One trip, sort of one trip, one basket. So, yeah, nice to see, and I'm very, I'm very glad that things. I'm very glad that things are moving along. My issue here is not so much that, well, Boston Lowell, because they're in the same state. But I found one, just yep. to, just to add to the fun of this. Um, yeah, so the New York whatevers, we just talked about their uniforms. Apparently, not only are they not playing their home games in their home state, in their home arena, which hasn't been identified yet. Oh, no, wait, I'm sorry. It has been. They're playing three games in the um, UBS arena on Long Island, but they're playing five home games in January including their inaugural home opener in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Now, I know that there's a lot of people who work in New York or grew up in New York who live in Connecticut, but the last time I checked uh, any sort of government registry or looked at any maps, Connecticut is not, in fact, a part of New York. No, not really. No. <laughs> Five home games. And and as I said to you pre-show, it's not just that it's their home opener. It's the inaugural. This is the first season of the PWHL. Their inaugural home opener. And it's not in the state of New York. I understand you made the comment that the the Giants and the Jets, they play in the Metro uh, MetLife Stadium, which is in New Jersey. I get that. But I didn't make that decision. But if you look at it, the New Jersey Devils play in New Jersey. The New York Rangers, the New York Islanders play in New York. The Buffalo Sabres even play in New York. It, to me, it just logistically makes sense, especially when you're a fledgling league. You need to be able to identify and to turn around and say, well, I know it's our first go around and we're just starting out in it, but we're not going to play in the cities that we're based out of. It's just something the fact that teams are playing in this weird arena that I've never seen on TV called TBD. Um, TBA. I've never heard of that one. Yeah. The Boston team is playing Ottawa at TBD on March 16th. Um, Can you get tickets to that one? I don't know. I've never been to that stadium, that arena. Yeah, it's it's very it's very weird. Um, Minnesota is playing uh, is hosting Toronto on 
February 27th at TBD. Really? I thought they were the one team, one franchise that actually had its home games figured out. Um, the Montreal team, I don't know where they're calling home because they open their season at Verdun Auditorium. Then they play at Place Bell. Um, uh, their, their games are basically split between the two of them. Uh, they also have a March 16th game against Toronto or Toronto at TBD. Um, now, does the does the PWHL and, and we may have answered this. Uh, I may just be forgetting. Do they have a television contract? That I don't remember, um, but I will have an answer for us next week. Um, and looking at the looking at the Toronto team, they play three different games at TBD, and they're playing at Total Mortgage Arena, UBS Arena um, for the other games. Total Mortgage Arena—that's the one that's in Bridgeport, Connecticut, by the way. As their home team? Total Mortgage Arena in Bridgeport, Connecticut. The New York whatevers will be playing their home game, including their inaugural home opener in Bridgeport, Connecticut at the Total Mortgage Arena. And then they go to UBS Arena in Long Island. And apparently there are a few, as you said, TBD Arena in. We have no idea where that is. I'm going to have to put that into Google and see if I can come up with it. Is it on the subway line? Or MapQuest. Well, we're hoping there's public transportation so that people can get there easier. And that's the one thing about going to Lowell is that there is still access. So for the Boston team, I understand, you know, at least in this case, there is still public transportation access to the arena. Yes, yes, you have to get on the yes, you have to get on the commuter line. It's a it's a longer ride, but you still don't have to pay to park near the arena. You can actually take public transportation in. You can. The people um, from New York are going to be doing what? Jumping on Amtrak to get to Total Mortgage Arena in Bridgeport, Connecticut? I, it's a little <laughs> bit far to take an Uber, yeah. <laughs> that's I mean, that that's my point of this is that. I think they're stretching the boundaries here of what you could call a home game. It's also their camps have opened. Um, there have been signings and roster trims. Um, but despite the fact that I watch my Twitter account pretty carefully, I have alerts set for the six teams and the league. Okay. Didn't find out about any of this until I looked at their website this morning. Ah, so they're not sending out X's or tweets or posts or whatever they want to call it nowadays. And look, I'm, I'm going to try and make it to some of their games. And that I think is where we need to leave it right now because what, I, wait, wait, wait. what are you doing this Tuesday? Uh, this Tuesday, I am working. <laughs> ah, they have a preseason fan fest in Ottawa versus New York 
at the Utica University Nexus Center, 7.30 p.m., with a player meet and greet. <laughs> Utica is a little bit of a trip from where I am. <laughs> you and me both. I'm just saying. I mean, they're trying. A closer I, than I am. Uh, yeah, probably. Half an hour or so. They're trying. I... I I wish them success. I want this to succeed. I, I, I really want this to succeed. I Especially since they took away the PHF. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't think that there's a way for me to uh, get out to um, central New York between the end of my work day and the start of the fan fest. Fair enough. On their website, it does say follow on Instagram, so... Uh, I, I don't know if you have an Insta or whatever the kids call it these days. I do not, in fact, have an Insta. Um, Neither do I. We probably shouldn't admit that, though. Oh, uh, I don't care. Um, <laughs> Next. So finally, 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 uh, Zadarov has come back uh, to a new team. We've been listening to speculation about Nikita Zadorov, among others, leaving the Calgary Flames basically since the start of the season. And this week it finally happened in a trade that uh, I'm somewhat surprised by the return on. Wait, Calgary's finally listening to us and starting the the um, the mega the explosion. overdue blow up. Yeah. Wow. I mean, okay, maybe not 10 years, but, like, it's they, been a few. It, some of it I understand. It was a business decision trying to keep um, seats full because um, they were pushing for a new arena. Yeah. Um, but that team is... Desperately approaching collection of talent and not a team anymore. What did and what, what did the Flames get for Zadorov? A third and a fifth round pick. Uh, I realize the cap crunch has been uh, hard on a lot of teams, but that seems and we're and it's like a it's a twenty twenty four fifth round pick. Um, and then a 2026 third round pick. So by that time, I think we can safely expect uh, Calgary to be at least somewhat better than they are today. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, that seems like a vast underpayment. I'm not saying that the guy's worth like three first rounders and your top prospect and but a I would like I would have predicted a second and a third or a even third as much from as two three seconds. years from now, or two years from now, three years from now. Yeah. Uh, three drafts from now. That's just mind blowing. Particularly when, you know, as the flames, you don't have an overabundance of draft picks. You're not stripped naked like certain teams, but yeah, you have basically all your own picks. You have all your own picks in the first four draft, 
four rounds, although the first round pick um, is conditional each of the next three years. Um, you have all your second rounders. I would have chased at least a second round pick for him. I mean, like bare minimum. Um, sure, Zadaroff was. Uh, wait, wait. Craig Conroy, an understatement of the day? Or, um, he, wanted, he went on, issued a statement, thanked Zadorov for his commitment to the Flames and for his professionalism through the process. Then went on to say, quote, Our hockey operations group works every day to find opportunities to make our team better today and for the future. You acquired a third-round pick three years from now and a fifth-round pick in the upcoming draft. You but improved, don't worry. You improved what? fifth-round picks that Chicago possesses. <laughs> you improved what with this deal? I'm sorry. And you improved Craig, your cap space, and that's pretty much it. Craig should have just ended it with thanking Zadorov for his commitment to professionalism and whatnot. The rest of that is clear, utter <clears throat> gobbledygook. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it that won't get me in trouble. Uh, like we're still early in the season. He had only played twenty games for the play or twenty-one games for the Flames. I, I mean, it helps Vancouver with their penalty kill. Needed. They were pretty much bottom 10. It gives them a physical, mobile, and yes, Patrick Alvin uh, plagiarized me on this one, but because I've been saying it all along that, I mean, he's a physical guy. He's a big guy. He's going to, he's going to dole out the punishment, but not do it in a way that's going to get him into any kind of trouble. He's, he, he, he's a, he's a hitter. But he's also a solid two-way defenseman. I'm not going to say he's fabulous. He's great. He's not. He, he's a solid two-way defenseman and somewhat mobile for his size. So yeah, this was a good move. This was definitely a, a good pickup, and for what it cost Vancouver, <laughs> maybe somewhat of a steal. I don't I don't know where else to go with it because that's that's what it is. I mean, the Vancouver and Canucks improved their team now and improved a team that is doing well and succeeding. Whereas Calgary needs to seriously consider what to do with Noah Hannafin and I already have some ideas on what to do about certain other players on the team. Um But this team should have a nice earth shattering kaboom. <laughs> Um, it's Hannafin and Hannafin, uh, Lindholm. That's my guy. Nazem Kadri, assuming you can get him to wave, move his no movement clause. Um, all of those guys are going to get you something chunky in return. Um, if you can't get at least two first rounds and three first, three seconds out of trading those guys, 
Um, you should never have been in an, in in a NHL front office in the first place. <laughs> okay. Um, sure, you can trade for prospects, but if you're trading out all of these guys, even if it means taking on salary for next year so that people can clear the decks, so be it. Like, so be it. If you're giving up, like, assuming you trade all three of those guys, Noah Hannafin's just under five, Elias Holmes just under five, Kadri's at seven, so 17 million. If you take back that much in salary, but you pick up three first rounds and two seconds at minimum. Okay. And assuming that they're not picks in 2027, 2029, and 2034, um, <laughs> you're setting yourself up to do uh, to do better faster. I mean, Kadri's 33, so yeah. He's, I mean, he's got four plus more years on his contract at seven million. Um, he's not having his best season this year. He's not having his worst season, and he's doing it on a not good team. Um, uh, you have a. You wanted to talk about the Bruins' need to address center. Yes, and it kind of ties in with what we're talking about now. So, it's I, interesting- I would take, I would take Kadri over, or in exchange for anyone not named Poitras or uh, at the center spot on the Boston Bruins. Okay, because he is what he's. Absolutely willing to do anything to win, sometimes to a fault. Um, he's a skilled two-way player. He's got thick. He's got thick skin. Okay. Whether he ha- he might get irritated on the ice, but as soon as the skates come off, he's a level-headed player again. Don't forget, this is the guy who got pegged in the who got pegged by a bottle by a certain St. Louis Blues goaltender for something that he wasn't responsible for, and just kept going in the interview like it wasn't anything. Okay, um, so he's not easily distracted. All right. I'm just looking at. Elias Lindholm, 29, Kadri, 33. Kadri is making $7 million until the heat death of the universe. Elias Lindholm is a UFA at the end of the year. The issue here, and I'm not trying to change topics, but the issue here is that Elias Lindholm is not having the Strongest of seasons, although this year he's bouncing back a little. He's got 17 points in 24 games. That's pretty solid, especially for a you know guy who's only making five million a year, under five million. Yeah, and doing it on a team that key components aside from himself don't actually want to be there. Key components. <laughs> <laughs> 
Which key components are those? Jonathan Huberto? Al Huberto has been gone like two or three seasons at this point. Nazem Kadri has a worse plus minus and only two points off of what Elias Lindholm has done. I don't know. Maybe I can doesn't appear to want to be there. Tanev doesn't appear to want to be there. I get the uh, point on those. Yeah, that's not good at all. Um, and I, I I can't make any claims, or I don't. I haven't paid close enough attention to know other players, but I, I just think that this team, unfortunately, they went out, they spent the money to get Markstrom a few years ago, instead of kind of blowing it up then they decided to go all in they went and spent the money on markstrom he did win a vesna for them they acquired vladar in a trade with boston not the worst thing in the world they'd done they made a they made a playoff run you had lynn home and this was all what 20 2021 21 22 uh yeah 1920 just before the pause or during the last had his best season Ever, everybody thought, including myself, that Carolina really messed up in trading him away because, well, they did. I still think that he has the ability to be a number one center. If you look at his production when he had uh, Goudreau on his left and oh, who was it on his right? No, mind is failing me damn it but they're saying that oh he's he's not the same since he lost Goudreau and whoever was on his right I think that if you bring him here to Boston and you put a pasta or you put a DeBrusque or you put yes a top six you put him and you move Charlie coil down to a second or third line center where he ideally should be. I think you solidified the middle about something like a Zaka for a Zaka for Lindholm trade. It's still going to take picks. They're they're not going to do it without, without picks. And that's where this, this story that I found, you know, and it's all about well, rumors. Here's, it's here's the thing. Lindholm has no term left on his deal. Right. Zaka has two more seasons. At what kind of money? So effectively, Zaka has three more seasons at basically the same thing that they're paying Lindholm right now. Four seventy-five, uh, four and three quarters for. For um, Zaka and for um, Lindholm, it is a hundred thousand more. Um, Calgary would probably have to add a prospect or a pick for that trade to happen. Term surety in Zaka is valuable. Wow, now you're saying Zaka is valuable. You didn't want him, didn't like him. I don't, I don't like Zaka as a number one center. But I don't think he's being paid like a number one center. 
I think most of the real number one centers in the league are paying six and a half, seven and a half plus. Um, but when you're looking at the Boston Bruins current composition, he is probably their best offensive center, even though Charlie Coyle is second on the team in scoring at the moment. Agreed. And I'm not saying that Charlie Coyle isn't good. I'm just saying that he's not an ideal number one center either. No, I, I think that Charlie Coyle is arguably the best number three center in the league. And when you're playing him above that, you are doing yourself a disservice uh, or you're got a team deficiency. Okay. Um, right now, oh, actually, uh, Brad managed to squeak ahead of Charlie, but um, Pasternak, 36 points, Brad uh, Marchand, 20, and Charlie Coyle, 19. Zach is at 18. Um, Poitras is at 11. And then it's been a committee on the fourth line. Um, John Beecher sat last night uh, in favor of Morgan Geeky. Really? Uh, and it wasn't a a punishment for oh wait i'm sorry cassidy's not running the team anymore okay you you mispronounced ruin um oscar steen was back in last night (laughs) um But yeah, uh, if you, and how did you not correct me? It's Matthew Kachuk played on his right wing. Um, wasn't thinking about that at the moment. Okay. Um, but yeah, losing Gaudreau and Kachuk, losing Gaudreau or Kachuk is going to t- is going to have your points take a nosedive. Losing both. But losing both. Yeah, you're basically having your skates tied together. Um. So. I don't know. I, I I know that at one time they wanted Lindholm. That the Calgary fans wanted them to pay Lindholm. Wanted them to give him, you know, whether he's worth it or not. You know, give him a nine million dollar year contract. He played like it, but now he's not. Can the Bruins get him at a discount? Unfortunately, if they do it at the trade deadline, discounts are going to be out the window because. No, this what? this has to be either now or like January first, like as soon as the holiday um, holiday pause on trading uh, is over. Um, if you wait even to the second or third week of January, you're basically playing paying deadline prices. Oh yeah. Um, and deadline and prices I would are. I still too. want to do it on at least sign and trade for a two year extension. Get him like six and a half million, seven million for those two years, and be comfortable with it because you can put him with either Brad or David and have a strong first line, or you could put him, you could load the first line with those two, or put him between Marchand and um, the Brosk, who seems to be coming out of one of his little plunks. I guess. My final, my final question: Are you, are you stickler for it has to be Nazem Kadri? Could you accept Elias Lindholm? 
Do you? I could accept either because I think that both offensively um, are better than Zaka and going to be more consistent than Zaka. Um, my my gut tells me that Nazem Kadri is going to be is going to provide more emotional leadership now, um, okay. even though he does occasionally go overboard. Um, when he's trying to do too much. That said, the idea of putting him and Marchand and Frederick out there to go shift the disturb um, and uh, and potentially score some goals every once in a while when the team needs waking up, you can't tell me that's not appealing. You can't tell me that's not appealing. I'm not saying no. It, it, it's it is it is very much appealing. Unfortunately, I I get caught up in the fact that Elias Lindholm is appealing as well because he has the ability to score. He also has finished second in the Selkie voting, so we know he's a 200 foot player. We know his abilities playing in his own playing in his own end in his own zone are top notch. And I want that aspect as well. I want the defensive ability of my center. And no, I'm not trying to compare him to anybody who's left the team because there is no comparison. I'm just saying that this guy plays a 200-foot game. It's been recognized. And I'd like to see more of that in Boston. I'd like to see... And if he can, in in any way, shape, or form, educate a John Beecher, educate a Matt Potra on how to be more of a 200-foot player. I think Beecher's already there. I mean, he plays on the penalty kill as it is. They put him out there on defensive face-off. They put him out there on face-offs in the defensive zone. So, uh, head coach, yes recognizes that he has the ability to play in his own zone. But I'd like to see more of that from Potra. Um, I think that we're running, when you're comparing Potra to um, to other people we know who have won the Selkie, I'm I think you're comparing really, them either. Really nope. off base because his style of play is different. Yeah, I think I, I've said this before that I don't think that Putra is Bergeron 2.0. I think he's a faster David no, Krejci. We we had the Bergeron 2.0, and that moniker was unfortunately too much to handle. So we're not calling uh, anybody Bergeron 2.0 ever again. We're not calling For those who don't remember JFK. That being Jakob Borsbacher Carlson. Yes. Uh, no. But Calgary, yes. Calgary is definitely due and do the earth shattering um, <clears throat> kablooey. The question is are they willing to go through with it? Is Craig Conroy, it's his first year on the job. I don't. Unless is it tough he gets to direct. ask him. 
unless he gets direct a directive from uh, ownership, I don't see him being the guy to do it uh, right. or to suggest it to leadership. No, I don't think he's. I don't think he's got the cachet for it yet. But just my personal opinion. We've got like two things left to to spice up the show with. Um, one of them being. The, oh, go ahead. Uh, you've got the torts. Um, story and I love that I love the fact that we can include John Tortorella's story we um, haven't done one in a while so it's been probably a year um, and yet we've gotten to talk about Matt, Mike Mike Babcock woo um, yeah we don't have to talk about him anymore woo but will he or won't he uh, yep. Will uh, Canucks netminder Thatcher Demko finish the season with a top 10 save percentage? Um, we asked this question last week. Um, as of today, um, save percentage for play uh, for goaltenders with, we'll call it more than nine games played. Um, Thatcher Demko would be fifth. Um, he's got 18 games played. He's 924. He's got a 924 save percentage. None of the guys ahead of him have played more games than he has. Okay. Um, in fact, the only other guy in the top 10 to have played 18 games is, um, is Tristan Jari, um, who is, uh, noticeably behind him. Um, <laughs> noticeably. Okay. Uh, okay, a little bit behind him, and Joseph Wall uh, is surprisingly to me in the top um, in the top fifteen. Um, Joseph Wall, two out of the last three goaltenders you mentioned came from Boston College. Yeah, yeah. That being um, Joseph Wall, who followed Thatcher Demko, if I'm not mistaken, and preceded so. and preceded Spencer Knight. Well, Jordan Bennington's having a good for him year. He's up to a nine ten save percentage, but and that um, really is it. Would it be wrong to say I'm waiting for the collapse? In in her, in his case, it's not so much a collapse as a regression to the mean. Okay, um, that's a good way of putting it. Sure. I mean, his career save percentage is a nine oh seven. Um, so basically he's one game away from returning to normal. So we, we've had quite a, we had quite a few people say, uh, he will be in the top 10 granted. Like you're saying now, it's not a stretch. I mean, 72.7%. And this was before this, was this, uh, finished up about just before the, uh, Zadaroff trade. um, and Zadaroff will, of course, spend a good chunk of time on the Canucks penalty kill, which has been woeful. Um, yes. One of the things that is woeful about the team because they're playing rather well otherwise. Um, this is this is going to be one of the interesting stories. Um, I think that he's – we're going to be hearing Zadaroff's name, uh, I think, for All-Star and – 
uh, probably for you know those awards postseason if he keeps this up. If hockey had a comeback player of the year award, which they don't really, I mean, they have the Masterton, but that's not comeback player of the year. That's for, yep. if they had one, I think that Demko would certainly be in line for it considering the season that he slogged through last year. And it wasn't, I mean, he was injured. The team wasn't playing well in front of him. I mean, it, it was just, uh, you know, it crap piled on crap piled on and you know but this season you're getting to see what Thatcher Demko is capable of so you're saying the real Thatcher Demko has stood up um I think he's rising I don't know if he's fully stood up yet or not because end of the season hasn't shown up but yes I think we're getting to see what he's all about and what he what was what Vancouver saw in him when they drafted him out of Boston College Absolutely. I mean, talk about it. Northeast is a goaltending factory anyway. You can look at, but yeah, Demko, Wall, Spencer Knight. Uh, <laughs> there's three in a row minimum. And then you look at the other schools here in, in town that have the goaltending that's come out of there, Devin Levy and Caden Primo and, and Ottinger out of BU. Oh, my goodness. So the best thing that happened to happen to the PWHL next year isn't really a PWHL event. You're not talking about the 2024 NHL All-Star Weekend, are you? I am, in fact, talking about that event at Scotiabank Arena in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And it's going to be thoroughly enjoyable. And they've added a new wrinkle because apparently, as you just in, as you just so succinctly hinted at, the PWHL will be running some kind of showcase at the NHL All-Star Weekend. A three-on-three uh, player showcase um, uh, that will be interesting um, based on the players in the uh, in their release picture they're certainly sending the cream to crop um uh what's interesting is what, I, what honestly what i find most interesting yes i want the pwhl to exceed and i succeed and yes. i think the fact that the um that they managed to get to be part of the nhl all-star event um is is significant, um, but I think it's fascinating that they very quietly not only returned to the players drafting the teams, um, but there's going to be celebrity co-captains, and this okay. is something. Hold on, if you've heard this before. Mm, holding on. The league isn't doing enough to publicize this. And their marketing is falling short. Aren't doing enough to publicize what? The PWHL or the fact that they're going to have celebrity co-captains? Yes. The celebrity co-captains should be actual celebrities, recognizable to people 
who don't pick the entertainment for the All-Star game. Um, what are you trying to say? <laughs> and they should be celebrities from a variety of walks of life. Um, I don't think we're going to be able to snag Taylor Swift, but um, it should be, you know, there are there are actors and actresses who are big hockey fans. Are these co-captains um, going to be skating on the ice and playing in the game? I don't know. I really, really doubt that they're going to turn this into <laughs> the old NBA uh, all-star celebrity challenge. Good. Um, you know, if you were going to do it, though, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind. Like, return it to five on five, and you have a big bench that includes enough players so that each team is required to have at least one celebrity on the ice at all times. Um, you know, maybe you see the front man for some for some band who loves hockey taking passes from Brad Marchand. Or, you know, taking shots on Jeremy Swayman or Thatcher Demko. Okay. Um, I think it would be fun because let's be honest. All-star games for the NHL, just like anything except maybe the NBA, are played at like 70% speed. Everyone there's first priority is to have fun, and their second priority is to not get hurt. That's the idea, yeah. <laughs> um, their so. third priority, uh, given the most recent situation, shouldn't not the, further, uh, is shouldn't probably the, not to um, not to take off any sponsors. Which is why Corey Perry's not going. Oh, is that too soon? Hey, he might be resigned by then, and. Um, if he's resigned by then, I would love to see. Shouldn't I would love to see Wyshynski lead a push to get him elected to the All Star Weekend. Shouldn't the number one priority be to entertain the fans? And I think Corey Perry would be very entertaining. No, but you said number one is to stay healthy and and whatever. Um, I, I I do have one. I do have. Two quick thoughts on this, and then we can close out with. First thought is that for a fledgling league like the PWHL, and this is something that I wish the PHF had done, is huge exposure. The fact that they're doing it on the first night, it might not. If they were actually doing it on the weekend, they might get more exposure, but the fact that they're doing it on the Thursday. Uh, might hinder them a little bit, but it's still exposure for yes for a league that needs exposure. A league where we don't know the team names yet. Yes, we have not seen the team logos yet. It would it would be a good idea, and it would behoove the PWHL that before they get to this point, that they actually have names. Just saying. Revolutionary <laughs> thinking. Thank you. Appreciate it. My second thought is, while this is great exposure, 
I don't recall the NHL ever having any official ties or connections to the PW. Like the WNBA, the the NBA helps sponsors, gives money, does whatever it does to support the WNBA. The NA, the NHL is not doing that in this case. They're not in any way financially supporting the PWHL. And some of that is the fact that there were two leagues for such a long period of time. There's no longer two leagues because one of them was cannibalized. Um, yes. Some of that is some of that is the league's marketing is just not good. Um, are we going to see? Are we going to see some kind of official support from the NHL following? the all-star, you know, starting next season or starting in 2025 or something. Are we going to see some kind of backing from the NHL into this? I don't think it's going to happen immediately. I think that with basically two owners for the entire league, that this is a chance for NHL owners, prospective NHL owners, NHL sponsors, to see a secondary product that they may be interested in investing in. Fair enough. And I don't, I don't, I can't claim to know the inner workings, but I know that no one is going to sit around owning six teams between them and expect to be able to run them impartially. You can't run six teams impartially and succeed. You're going to have aggressive mediocrity and no identifiable winner. I mean, I thought that I thought that the individual teams in the PWHL had their own GMs, Daniel Marmer. Again, well, they have their own GMs, but who would be running the, the but the GM would be running the team, I'm assuming. Yes. That's what Sweeney is supposedly do does. At the direction of of ownership. Well, if you think if, if you're comparing ownership to the way the Pagulas do business, then yeah, you could have a problem. <laughs> hey, it's been months since they fired a general manager. <laughs> or a head coach. Kevin Adams even got his name put on the door in like permanent marker instead of erasable marker. No. I mean, don't That's get me wrong. Don't. Dom Granado has been there more than one season as head coach, so I'm, I'm beginning to wonder if, if the Pagulas are... Kevin know, Adams has been there three years, five months, and 17 days, according to our good buddies over at Cap Friendly. Wow. Um, the Pagulas have managed to not fire him in three years? I know. Um, and before that, he was he was the senior vice president for eight months. And Don Granado has been head coach for. Wait, he got an extension. I don't know who these who these people are. All right. What are you done? Pagoulas, who are you and what have you done with the Pagulas? <laughs> All I can see is the Pagulas are tied up in a closet somewhere. <laughs> Two-year extension. He's going to be head coach supposedly till twenty, but through twenty-five, twenty-six. Holy cow! Who are you, and what have you done with the Pagulas? 
That's no kind idea. Of scary. That's kind of scary. But anyway, on to our final and fun topic. Because we both love this man dearly. Yes, he is a national treasure. <laughs> and should be treated as such. <laughs> John Tortorella. <clears throat> well, he's expressed his opinions about the NHL. Because Garnet Hathaway uh, apparently was given a match penalty um, for a clean hit, what the hockey world believed was a clear hit, on Luke Hughes on Thursday night. Now, we all know Luke Hughes is highly drafted, you know, highly touted, young kid, young young player, very talented, very good. So John Tortorella <clears throat> didn't believe that the hit, not only did he not believe that it warranted a penalty, he questioned the kind of league the NHL is becoming after the team's practice on Friday. And I will quote, that's a problem in our league right now. Our players in our league do not put enough emphasis with making sure you're protecting yourself from hits like that. We have kind of turned this league into the no hit league. Most players aren't ready to be hit. He goes on to say, I think it's a lost art in how you take hits. I'm not trying to run down the league. I just think we've taken away the policing of the game from the players. Back in the day, and I'm not trying to go way back, but you've got to learn how to take a hit. And if you do have a big hit, you shouldn't have to fight someone two seconds later because it's a big hit. That's what I don't get. This is John Tortorello being consistent because he's been saying this for five or eight years. Um, And the key point about players protecting themselves is something – we said, what was it, two weeks ago? I yeah. said, what were those five words that they say in combat sports? Uh, keep, your head, keep your head on a swivel or... Protect yourself at all times. At all times, thank you, yes. Protect yourself at all times. He like, says... We teach... It's like I've said for years. We teach kids to look both ways and double check before crossing the street because it's dangerous. Not necessarily because someone is looking to run them over, but because someone else might have made a mistake. Someone mm-hmm. else might be being reckless. There's so many ways that it can happen. A tire can blow on a car and it can careen out of control where seven seconds before perfectly safe to cross. You start talking to your friend, the traffic light the crossing light changes that car can't stop because, you know, it's no longer balanced. It's that's why we teach kids, you know, basic safety when navigating in public or I don't know, not to run with scissors or shove stuff, shove forks into electrical outlets and any of these 5000 other little things we teach kids as they're growing up. Protect yourself at all times. It's not the world has never been safe, ever. No, and if you scroll down, and, and and I didn't, I in all honesty, it's a separate story and the same thread, but it actually goes into further detail what he said after the game as opposed to what he said the next day at practice. You know, we've kind of turned this league into a no-hit league. Now people are, aren't ready to be hit. I think it's a lost start. I do think looking at the clip, Hughes thinks it's icing. I'm, a mistake was made. We've got good refs. We've got good linesmen. 
A mistake was made last night, and what bothers me is we had to suffer for that mistake, losing a player. But I believe the league, it's a no-go. There is nothing wrong with the play. It shouldn't even have been a penalty. It screams to the athletes in our game, be prepared to be hit because big hits are allowed. Nowadays, I'm not so sure because everyone puts their arms up when there's a big hit. It makes me sick what goes on in the league here on big hits. That's part of the game. I mean, he just goes on and on. And, but it, he's saying the same thing he's always said. It, he's being consistent. He's not changing his tune except for the fact that he's actually said something about the linesman being good or something. Because <laughs> sometimes I wonder if he really believes that. <laughs> We've got good reps. We've got good linesmen. I John. believe that's his big leaf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, that's the olive branch right there. There you go. <laughs> the but he's right. You're by awarding penalties for somebody to get hit in a in a league where hitting is allowed. In a yes, in a league where hitting is allowed in a in a somewhat grand fashion. Unfortunately, yes, some of the hits like the one on the 17 on Adam Yerichek. It wasn't an illegal hit. It was interference. Okay, yeah, he wasn't playing the puck. You're not allowed to actively engage a player and hit them like that if they're not playing the puck. So, yes, interference is probably the correct call, in my opinion. But the guy didn't extend his arm. He didn't appear to in any way target the head area. It was just a big hit. And unfortunately, the youngster had his head down, didn't see it coming. We're not teaching kids how to absorb the hits. And that's why I said, you know, you look at Goudreau, he knows how to spin away from that hit. He's learned how to do it. So he doesn't absorb. Marshall, yes. Smaller players, and by smaller, I mean lower than six feet. They've learned to adapt. They've learned to be able to absorb it, to spin away from it, what it takes to not take the brunt of the punishment he's you absolutely talking right. about potra potra he's i've seen him take a couple of hits and he still gets up and keeps going but i see that he's learning from those hits because i've seen him on a couple of occasions along the boards where he's been able to spin off that hit and not take the full brunt of it and continue carrying the puck so he's learning from what he's encountering absolutely and and that's what um, John's trying to say here. And he's I, 100% right. Yes, he is. I the, I can't find any fault with anything he said here. That said, um, we will catch you all next week. We will sometime between uh, the end of this show and it being tweeted out, actually come up with a will he or won't he for next week. Um, Chris, anything? Welcome to December. Welcome to December. Um, Happy holidays, everyone. And our schedule will be a little bit erratic uh, between here and the end of the year. Um, Please, uh, if you're not already subscribed, definitely subscribe so you get these shows uh, and follow both of us on on, uh, Twitter or X or whatever it's called. Um, (laughs) At Puck's Age. At The Off Wing. Have a fantastic week, folks. Um, Can't wait to see comments and uh, the rest. Take care.